Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Aren't you thankful to be at church this morning? Yeah. This morning we had the opportunity, I don't know if you were tracking some of the words that we were just singing, but uh, a confession, a song that was written in the last 10 years, uh, one that's called the Apostles' Creed that was a song with words that go all the way back to the beginning days of the church. And a song that was written somewhere in between that we still sing with the same rhythm and same cadence. And it's still, to this day, for many of you, is one of those songs that uh, brings back memories. You remember where you were, the church that you were brought to Christ in. Um, But aren't you thankful for a music team that not just is doing new things, but that is leading you in worship that goes all the way back? This morning, we're doing something this week, and last week, our goal is not just to have you in here listening, but our goal is to have you go out and sign up. We're asking you to pray about getting connected in a small group of some sort, not just the Sunday morning gathering, but in some place where you are studying the word with other believers and allowing that word to penetrate your heart. We've been operating underneath a big idea for this last couple of weeks, Uh, The idea that for you and I, there is something that comes out in our Christian life. There's something that fellowship can only bring out in our Christian life. As you and I meet together with other believers and we study the word, it's not just hearing it in a large group, which we're supposed to do, but it is in having somebody else meet with us, ask us questions, wrestle over the word. That is where uh, it is driven deep. I want uh, you to think about just a couple of pictures really quick. I have 10 minutes for this opening and uh, 12 observations, so buckle in, all right? First thing I want you to know is if you were playing the game of chess, anybody here ever attempt it? Yes, I know. You've switched to the ones that give you coins afterwards, right, on the phones. Uh, If you're learning to play the game of chess, one of the best ways for you to learn how all the other pieces move is to take your queen off the board at the very beginning, Most of us kind of, uh, when you're learning chess, you know the queen can go and kill everybody. All right, it's not a metaphor for the home. It's just for your board. Uh, But you take the queen off of the map, and then what you find out is that what all of the other pieces in your arsenal do. Here's one of the problems that we've had in the last few years. If the queen in the church is the Sunday morning gathering where we gather together, we worship, and we hear the word, what happens when the queen of our gatherings is removed? We find out what all of the other ministries are really about, the connections that are there. And what many places found out is the only thing that they've had was this gathering. So what we're inviting you to do is before there's another cataclysm, not trying to be doom and gloom, but I'm just looking around at the political landscape, the stuff that's going on in our world. I think there's a possibility something could break. (laughs) Just chew on that. I really do believe that you need to be ready personally. It's not just on the church. It's on you individually, your walk with Christ. How are you going to make sure that you have Develop those muscles and nerves sideways with other people so that you're stronger when there is a crisis. 
Another thing I want you to see is uh, there actually is a game that was played. Some people still remember this. It was called Sim City or Sim Families. They had all kinds of the Sims that you could do. Do you remember that? Uh, and, and imagine for a moment that you see somebody that is playing that game and you say, hey, I want you to come to a family event. We're having Thanksgiving. And they tell you, no, I'm all good. I've got my family electronically. Or they say, I do this online. You ever seen those guys are set up with their headphones? They can talk to somebody in Japan, but they can't talk to their neighbor. We're becoming that society, folks. How do we break that pattern so that what we're doing is not just online? If you are called away as a businessman, if you have physical sickness, and we have some folks that are online, I went and visited a couple of them where they said that the online thing has been a gift to us so we can still see what our church is doing. But they said we really crave that physical interaction, that personal interaction with other people. You need that. We need those things. If you go away on a business trip, And you say, man, it's really wonderful out here. I know the job only required me to be gone for three months, but we've got video calls and all that stuff. Um, I'm just going to stay over here and kind of do my stuff over here, and uh, I'll, I'll check in with you guys online once a week. Would you think that that relationship was healthy? Neither can our relationship be healthy in the church if we are only from a distance, Okay. Not trying to put the screws to you. What I am trying to do is get you to evaluate. How important is this gathering? Colossians 1.28 is our operating principle for our church. This is our purpose statement. And it says this. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ, literally in some of your translations, it'll say complete. It's the idea of having a legal case where every aspect is completely filled in. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. This is Paul speaking, but he is handing this idea off to the leaders of the church and to you and I. What are you working towards when you come together? This is what we're focused on as a church. So just a few observations. Very quickly, remember, I've got like four minutes, so afterburner. What do we know about relationships and the word of God? First thing I'd have you observe, Acts chapter 2, the word of God is driven deep through relationships. It says that after the apostles had been teaching, they were gathering together as the church, the world is watching, it says, but they would gather together on a regular basis to review, to go over the apostles' teaching, to have fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. But it was reviewing what scripture said and what the apostles had taught that drove it deep. Another thing I want you to observe in scripture, the one another verses, that where it says, uh, love one another, stir one another, things along that line. The one another verses can only be fulfilled in community. You can only love one another if you are in close proximity. It means to sacrifice on behalf of another person. Uh, One third of the one another verses in scripture out of 100 of them, there are 100 times in the New Testament that one another is used. A third of those refer to unity within the body of Christ. They're asking you to gather together. Third observation, you need relationships in order to use your spiritual gifts. 
In order for you to stir somebody else up, you need to be in relationship with them. So you're not just going around agitating people, but you are lovingly coming alongside and stirring folks up. You need relationships in order to fulfill that expectation out of Hebrews 10. Fourth observation, there's actually three in this one here. You need close relationships in order to find comfort. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens. It's not just burdens. But when you go off of the road, when you are going into places where you traditionally would go, people who love you and who know the trail that you quite often will take or the off-ramp from God's best that you will take, they come around and they help bear that burden and get you back on the trail. Uh, you need close relationships in order to confess sin. That should read uh, James five sixteen there, where the admonition is to confess your sin one to another, and some people, because they have not confessed their sin, actually become sin sick. It takes a close friend to walk alongside and say, hey, let's unpack this, leave that at the throne of grace, and we're going to walk forward together. You also need close relationships in order to confront sin and experience restoration. If you read Ephesians 4, you will see in there a pattern, not only for confronting, but for bringing somebody back into relationship. What can we do that is the opposite of the character that is breaking fellowship? And it teaches you, hey, this is what you need to do in order to set aside, lay aside the dirty things in life and pick up that which is good. Come into these relationships and practice your faith with other believers and that'll show grace to a world around us. Just some clear observations. These are coming out of my own head as I was reading these passages this week. Your family needs to hear truth from somebody other than you. If you've ever said, well, I'm just saying, you know that's not enough, right? You need some good family friends and other people. Do you, let me ask you this honest question. It's been a question for Christina and I. Do you actually trust the spirit of God in the church? Do you trust the church? Or do you need to tell them what to think so that they'll agree with you when they're talking to your family? Your family needs to hear truth from someone other than you. Good relationships and grace are displayed in intimate environments. So when you get pressed together into the family minivan, onto a mission trip, right? When you're gathered together inside somebody's home, those relationships um, bless us. It's not just where we see the hard things in life, it's where we see the good. When you are sick or in crisis, you need actual people to show up. You don't need a virtual doctor, you need a real one for surgery. You don't need somebody, and, and I know we can get off track on all of the mechanical things that possibly can happen, somebody in Minnesota doing surgery in Chicago. That's a great breakthrough, I'm not comforted by it. <laughs> I wanna see that person, I wanna hear their voice, I wanna hear their confidence in the same way spiritually. And finally, you need people who can drop by before you clean. True? How many here, you right away, just turn to the neighbor on the right and left, say, just come on over today. Are you ready to do that? <laughs> Small groups will help with that. We have two things that I want you to be able to, to look at and consider jumping into this week, all right? In our first video that we have right here, we have a gal that was impacted by our men's and our women's ministries, but our, our small group ministries where we study the word is what we are going to focus on. She was impacted by that time in women's ministry. Let's listen.
I am most excited about learning about God's Word. I am excited to dig into Scripture, um, to have something to read every week. I am excited um, just to hear about what the other women in my group, um, what they learned and what they pulled out of the Scripture that week. I have seen so much growth in the ladies in my group, and there's that sense of community and that sense of connection, and we have gone through some hard things together as a group, and um, I don't think we would have been able to go through it alone, and it's just been amazing when that support is built on the foundation of Christ, and it's built on God's Word um, and the truth of that, and um, it's just been amazing. And if I didn't have that, I mean, I wouldn't have the, um, I wouldn't have the support of the women around us. Julie and Matt, uh, you guys may recognize these folks. Um, Matt has been a little bit uh, recently uh, in transition out of men's ministries, but you are still here on staff as a pastor working in men's ministries. We're in the process of uh, changing that role a little bit to free you up for most excellent way. Um, and Julie has been leading our women's ministries forever, <laughs> doing an amazing job. And we were just talking about some of the things that uh, we had experienced in the very early days and how some of the fruit of that is impacting our church. And so I just want you guys uh, to share with us the ministry that you're, you're here representing this morning, because you guys touch many of them the one you're representing, and how does that really fulfill this mission to uh, be able to present everyone complete in Christ and add to our fellowship? So with women's ministry, Julie, what are you hoping they'll get? Well, I, I consider it a huge privilege that we get to partner with the leadership of our church to um, be on mission together, to be in this partnership, that we would be um, encouraging women to become complete, right? We're not going to be until we're with Christ completely, but between now and then, we have the opportunity to grow and to mature, and we know that it's God's Word that, um, and the Spirit of God together that really teaches us. God uses His Word to teach us, to equip us, to train us, to actually change us and transform us. And so as we get together in these small groups of women studying God's Word, that's exactly what He does. He transforms our hearts. And so to get to be a part of that um, is such a privilege, but... Um, Every single one of you women, there's a place for you. We want you to be a part of those small groups of women that come alongside each other, study God's word, and then encourage each other as we grow. Yeah, and that really was one of the major changes at the very beginning that we had made, uh, that you had made. But uh, as a whole church, we decided to go away from separate books that are outside, which are really good, mm -hmm. commenting on the word of God, but just to read the word of God right. itself. And uh, you guys have done a brilliant job at that. So, Matt, how uh, most excellent way, and then if you briefly for us, or just touch on what historically men's ministry also has been about. How does that help us with that, that focus on presenting everyone complete in Christ? Let's, let's start with men's ministry. Yeah. So what, what we've been doing with men now for a couple decades is getting guys into the Word of God, as you just shared, right? We're convinced that Isaiah chapter 55 when you read that, it says that the word of God goes forth and it never comes back void. It yeah. always accomplishes what he sends it forth to do. We believe that with men. And so historically what we've done is when we hit fall, 
we have we have different studies, John, Galatians, which we'll have this fall. Yeah. And moving into then the book of James, you know, why the law, first and second Thessalonians, a church that's actually reaching its region, and then also uh, the end times are real. First and second Peter, sufferings are real, you know. And and so in that uh, what we have done historically is gathered men together in small groups, get them rolling around in the word together, building relationships with each yeah. other. And you just saw that as you were sharing what yeah. you shared and what the ladies are, are doing. We're watching men come together. And as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We also know this. It's hard for men uh, in that sense. For, for many of us, we struggle because we kind of like to be alone. I don't know. Maybe that way. Yeah. We, don't, we don't show up to everything. Yeah. But I, I am saying this, and we've been saying this for years, before Most Excellent Way ever started saying it, showing up changes everything. Yeah. And, and it is a matter of kind of getting over that and saying, okay, I'm just going to show up and then watch what God does. That's important. And with Most Excellent Way... Uh, so with the that? Most Excellent Way, uh, uh, you know, Victory Over Addiction Ministry, we take that same premise that if we'll get people into God's Word and, and they come to know Christ personally... Or maybe they've known Christ personally, but they've fallen into addiction. Yeah. The Spirit of God taking the Word of God does transform the person. We've watched that for decades. Glenn and Judy started the most excellent way. Glenn and Judy right back in 1986. Really quick, the folks that, will you stand up if you've got your shirts on there? Or, or if you're part of the most excellent way staff, you don't have to have shirts on. But really quick, just see how many are here. So, uh, you know. So the reason I wanted them to do that, and I could have people stand up and say, you know, I've been impacted by the most excellent way. But here's the thing. One of the things about the most excellent way is everybody on staff gets it. So whether it's on the men's side or the women's side, or we're working with the children and the children's aspect of the most excellent way, we all come from it. We're not judging. What we're doing is, is meeting people in, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling, anger, frustration, bitterness. It could be whatever it is that's yeah. tormenting. God, God will meet us there. And so um, that's why we do what we do. So all of us can, can honestly say we all get it. Nobody's judging, but let's take you to the Savior that will see you through all the way home. Yeah. If you guys were going to, uh, those are good. Um, and I think a good summary. I know this morning, uh, one of the things we were concerned about is we can only give you a little taste about what we're inviting you to. And so... Um, Thank you guys for trying to stay succinct here. This is the hardest part is when we start telling the stories of people's lives. If you were going to say this is uh, one thing that you've seen God do in your ministry that, that goes along with what our purpose is, is to be able to be in the word and the transformation that brings. What have you seen God do through that particular area of ministry you're representing? Well, I think one of the things that I've seen for years happening in women's um, small group Bible studies is that cross-generation relationships, you know, where people, women from different stages in life are together. And then that Titus II principle comes into play, and we see women encouraging other women to grow. And I, I love that because I see those relationships not just in that time together, that hour and a half a yeah. week, but it carries on for years to come. So I love that. And I love that also in that there's that same stage of life relationships in those groups as well. So women um, aren't feeling alone in this season of life, but they're um, getting to um, spend time in God's word alongside other women, older, younger, and then their same age. And, you know, I think it was um, Tozer that said, the most important thing about us is what we know to be true about God. Yeah. 
And as we, um, one of the main things that we do in our um, small groups is we look at scripture and we say, what does this teach us about who God is? And then as we know him more, we we become what we behold, right? And so then God uses that to transform us. And I've seen that. In, in my own life, in, in other women's lives too. And, and then you think about, we're going to spend um, the next nine months together, right? Yeah. And we know in the coming nine months, there's going to be trials of various kinds that enter into our lives. And then we're going to be wrapped in community of other women that love us, that care about us, that are going to pray us through. And so I see the result of that as well, that um, we're not left alone. We're together with other women to love and care for us and that we get to love and care for. And you guys have commented that there have been times where the group is gathered together and some people are saying, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I feel really uncomfortable, but it becomes evident in a couple of months. Oh, actually, God had you brought into this group for just this season. Yes, and, and so, to see how God pairs yeah. up those relationships. Yeah. We don't know, but he does. And, yeah. and that's a great phrase. You become what you behold. Um, that is a great way to remember to be in the word. Yeah. So Matt, how Absolutely. about for you? You had pulled me aside and talked to me about coming up with an illustration. There's hundreds of miracles in this room right now. Um, honestly, I can say that yeah. miracle is by definition, there's no way that can happen. And then it does. Okay. Yeah. So that right now there's miracles in this room. I, I was thinking specifically about a young man who grew up in this ministry. He, he grew up in a Christian family. He had a Christian yep. education. He, the entire time growing up in that family in that Christian education knew that when he turned 18, he's out. Yep. And he lived that out in the high school days, struggling in his relationship with Christ because he did not have one. Yeah. Then as he, as he got out of high school, he then moved into uh, drugs, alcohol, and self-centered behavior. He, he would say personally to you all, I tried every drug and my favorite was heroin. And in the midst of that, loving taking heroin, he then became a dealer because then you can support your habit. And then eventually that led him to being in the penitentiary. Now through those years, we had contact with this young man trying to help this young man, but the reality was it was this. After he got out of the penitentiary, he called me and he and I started meeting together. And what we did was we watched as as he broke before God, his whole life changed. He's now on our staff for the most excellent way. And his wife that, and this is what the plug for the family and friends, because his his wife now going through and getting the help she needed to be able to see, how do you not give up on somebody, but not be codependent and enable? We have that group going on on Monday nights at 7 p.m. also. And so in that, that, that victory story is a miracle. Yeah. There was no way. Yeah. And then, and then it happens. Yeah. I, um, and we try to, to be careful not to tell stories. So Matt, uh, Matt's checked with uh, folks to make sure that he can even hint at the sketches of the storyline. But um, we really do see amazing things happen here as people yield to the word of God and the spirit of God. Uh, those booths are going to be uh, out here. If you're interested in women's ministry, they have a booth, men's ministry. We do also, somebody asked what offerings we have, multiple times and availabilities for men's ministry this year, Sunday morning, uh, Wednesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, and Thursday evening. We have uh, opportunities. And for most excellent way, if you have been just kind of uh, poked by the Spirit of God in that discussion, make sure you go and check in with them. So... You guys thankful for uh, these folks? We're thankful for you.
We have another uh, video for you that just highlights the power of another ministry that we have here, but um, the role that uh, counseling, along with some other ministries, uh, but as you submit to these closer relationships, what can God do in that? So let's take a look at this story. Well, we had been separated before, 15 years ago, and um, came back together. And then um, last summer, um, things just hit a whole new level, and I decided to pursue a divorce. I was certain our marriage was done. I was certain it was nothing. Um, There had been too many decades of pain, and I knew we were done, and I was wrong. A friend said, um, go to Salem Heights. I think on Monday nights they have a men's group. And I did. I came here. It was called Most Excellent Way. And I thought it was for alcoholics or drug addicts. And what I learned was, no, it's for anybody who's addicted to anything. And in my case, it was self. It was pride. It was arrogance. It was anger. It was lust. It was a lot of things I didn't realize that had gotten in my heart. And again, while I knew who God was, he did not have reign in my life. I began seeing somebody here at Salem Heights week after week who began to help me understand uh, some of my thinking and some of my thinking errors and mostly uh, introduced me to a God I didn't know. I thought I did, but certainly not a Heavenly Father I understood. I didn't. I felt that we needed to reconcile and part of his um, conditions and trying to reconcile were to attend biblical counseling here. The, the beautiful part of it was um, once both of us leaned in together and realized we were at the end of ourselves and we didn't have answers and we began to trust God, he did a bunch. He's always been our savior, but he's never been Lord of our marriage, Lord of our life. And he is today and everything changed when that changed. It has been life-changing. We're reconciled. We've been together happier than we've ever been in our 37 years of marriage. Don and Sherry Suklas, what a great story, guys, and and what an amazing picture of what um, God has called the church to be a part of, Uh, but it's God's power, his spirit, the word of God, but he's using ordinary folks uh, in our counseling ministry to help push that forward. So this morning, we're kind of trying to tackle how do we labor and strive to present everyone complete. One of the ways Uh, that we help with that completion is counseling, uh, helping people get to their best version of themselves in the Lord. How does your ministry really help that happen? Dave? I was trying to think about a succinct way, and I think even telling a little just account of our own lives, uh, how people reached into our lives years ago and gave us good counsel. Um, We were, uh, we lived just down the street from our former pastor, Ron and Lorna, and as parents who had kids who were uh, just doing normal stuff in life, but we kind of reached the end of ourselves and end of ourselves and were concerned and didn't have answers to things and pick up the phone and, and Lorna would answer and uh, she'd say, I'll put on water for tea. You guys come on up. Yeah. 
And what they would do is they would, they were completely understanding and they would bring our concerns kind of out of the light, came out of, you know, out of sort of our own private darkness into, into the light and brought God's word to bear and, and their, and their godly wisdom. And, um, we left encouraged. Uh, we didn't feel like we were alone anymore in that stuff. Um, we were corrected in our thinking when our thinking was an error. Um, and so, um, in the same way, that's what we do as biblical counselors. Yeah. We invite people in and we say, we'll put water on for tea. Yeah. And we enter into relationship with folks and, and we walk alongside of folks who, who are weak, who feel weak, people who are uh, confused, people are hurting, or people who think or feel like they've just lost total control of their lives, um, that they're, uh, they're at the mercy of their own impulses. And so we bring those things into the light. We, uh, we apply God's word to those things. We watch the spirit of God take the word of God. And, and not just in a behavior correction sort of thing, give them a list of things to do, but actually watch God transform the hearts of people. Then what ends up coming out on the outside really is transformed lives. Yeah. And, uh, and we don't see ourselves as experts. We're folks who are uh, in love with the word of God, have seen what the Spirit of God can do and uh, just simply want to walk alongside folks as, really as sort of co-journers in this, in this thing that we call the journey yeah. of the Christian life. So. It's really beautiful, too, how you guys kind of unpack that. With uh, I, I, I First, the thing that many counselors are concerned about is they're, they're fearful that they'll be viewed as the expert. But we really are just saying, hey, God's got to take this. And so, yeah, you guys do that really well. Uh, if you were going to say that this is something that I've seen God do, um, and if you want to add to that as well, I know, Emily, we had a couple of different conversations this last week, uh, but what have you seen God do in the counseling ministry in particular that kind of puts these truths on display? Um, well, I could give many, many examples, and I'll try to be really... Um general uh but we watch we watch people walk in and they are not they don't have life okay um they're full of shame they're they're guilty they're isolated they're hurting grieving there's all kinds of different ways that they could be coming in as a recipient of just the trouble of life or as the troubler of their own soul and it could be Anything that you hear about outside of the church, that's what we're walking with folks through inside of the church, okay? But they're coming in and they are not experiencing life. So I'm thinking of a couple of different women in different scenarios, but coming in full of guilt, full of shame over something that happened to them. They didn't even do anything wrong as a young person. So they were a victim of somebody else's wrong choices and for literally decades did not tell a single soul about what happened to them. So they were walking around with all this guilt and shame, isolated, suspicious of others, not trusting anyone, and so afraid to speak the words out loud. And, and finally, at the right time, because God prompted her to then seek for help and at the right time unpacked her story, got it on the table, and then right alongside of her story, we opened the word of God and we let God speak to what happened to this person. And so over a series of lots of different um, meetings, this woman 
learned how to then walk in freedom, believe what is true, believe what God thinks about what happened to her, experiencing true fellowship, starting to trust, not perfect, because again, we've got to learn to do this over and over and over again, but walking in actual life. And it's those, that's just one example of many we could talk about. And is there just a difference in the countenance when you can tell the word of God has reached to the core of the issue? It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, you can really tell someone comes in defe- you know, defeated and yeah. you, you're like, they don't have life. Too. Their head is up and they're eager. In fact, to the point where they're like, I just want to use my story to help others. Yeah. Like that is, that's God. That's, yeah. And that's redemption and transformation in one little snapshot. That's great. Yeah. Emily, how about you? Well, I get the privilege of working with training counselors here at Salem Heights and in our region. And so I just wanted to share what what God's doing in our training ministry. Um, and we get, we get to, most people come in, either they're from here or from one of our other partner fa- churches in this, this region. And they, they come in, they think they're going to get equipped to help people counsel people better. They're, they... Um, they want to be a better small group leader, a better friend, and they come into our training, and then they find that God first changes them, and he changes their heart, he changes the way they think, and it's overwhelming in our end-of-class reviews about how God first changed them, and that maybe they'd even get to use this a little bit in the lives of others, but now just to get to see them take that change and now get to be a biblical counselor, to be a small group leader that's equipped with tools to walk alongside in that one another care, uh, whether that's in our church or in many churches in our region. So it's just a privilege to get to do that. Yeah, in fact, that's one of the things we look for, right, when we're even studying the Word, is not just what are you going to say to somebody or studying, uh, we're not studying the Word in order to be right, we're studying it to have it first transform us, and that's actually one of the tests of whether or not you'll be doing good as a counselor, is whether or not it's impacted your own life. Um, there is a, a couple of different aspects that we're looking at here, the individual counseling, the, the group counseling that we're doing, but also the training uh, can, is there still room to be able to sign up for training and stuff like that this year? Yeah, we we have our uh, level one class equipped to counsel starting um, at the end of September. It's on Thursdays, and we'll have a booth out there. And anybody is welcome to come, whether you think you might enjoy the formal counseling or you just really want to uh, learn to walk alongside those in your community better with more tools. Yeah. So. And I think one of the other beautiful things you guys have offered to us, let's say you're a small group leader, you haven't had time to make it to Thursdays or something else. It's not just about professional counseling, uh, but you guys have offered yourself as a resource. So I'm, I'm walking alongside somebody that's really got a difficult situation. Uh, do you guys uh, have a way that you would have them get a hold of you if they just need advice? Hey, how do I walk with somebody through this? How would they get uh, in touch with you for those scenarios? Yeah, it is... It is our privilege to not only provide counseling, but to help those in our ministry that are walking alongside others. So 
you can contact the church and the counseling ministry, and we'd be happy to meet with you to, to give you resources because better is the person that asked you for help that you would walk alongside of them than for them to just come in and go to a stranger. And so we, we believe that we are all made to minister in here. We all have yeah. the, can walk alongside others, and we want to help you to do that. Yeah, what an awesome gift. I think we have a a final slide here that uh, you can consider as you're going out. If you want to, uh, last week we we did a few of these ministries and we wrapped it up this week. Um, We're going to leave this up here so you can know uh, if the Lord has kind of laid on your heart, I want to find out how to sign up uh, both for participation or to serve in those different ministries. They'll have an answer for you on either of those. Uh, But our strong encouragement for you today is that you would find some way to gather into a smaller group and allow uh, the word of God to be pressed deeply into your life through these fellowship interactions. You need other people to help you kind of investigate, process, and drive deep the word of God. Amen? And we've, uh, yeah, we've had an opportunity to uh, chew on that a little bit during these last couple of weeks. This is what we're asking you to do. Today, go get some more information if you need it, but find a way to sign up for one of those groups. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to at least pretend to drive by one of those booths on your way out, okay? Let me pray, and we'll go. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather like this, to discuss your word, and it uh, is really our passion to see everybody complete. There's aspects that we can run strong in, in areas in our own personal lives where we are weak. You use uh, the fellowship, Father, to point out those areas and not to um, irritate and leave us broken, but Father, to bring us before your word, to allow your spirit to work even more deeply in our lives. You use fellowship to make that happen. So I pray, Father, you'd help us to submit to that process, even if we're uncomfortable. Help us right now, Father, to be stirred to a particular area um, and to make that personal commitment before you that will follow through. We ask that you'd guide us now in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. You're dismissed. Find a group.